Hey there, toppers. I promise I'll keep this short and sweet, but I do gotta pay the bills. If you go to my website, turnofphrases.com, you'll see the fine folks who help bring you this podcast. My sponsors are Audible, Boss Boxes, and Amazon. If you go to the Support the Podcast page on my website, you'll be able to see the offers I have available to you as a listener of Turn of Phrases. Some of the offers change frequently, so make sure you check back from time to time to see if there's something that'll float your boat. And with that, to keep my promise, I'm going to end this ad and get on with the show. Please listen carefully. Hello there, toppers, and welcome to episode 17 of the Turn of Phrases podcast. I'm ever so grateful to you for choosing to spend a bit of your day with me. Today's theme won't cost you a thing, but it is rich. We're talking money phrases today, from pennies to dimes, rolling to rags, and even some foolish folks. Come along with me to cash in on these currency-filled phrases, origins, history, and more. The first idiom of today is a penny saved is a penny earned. The meaning of this saying is that if you don't spend money, you are saving money, even if it is a slow process. This is another phrase often attributed to Benjamin Franklin's Poor Richard's Almanac, and just like the last time we found ourselves looking into his writings, he didn't actually come up with it. The idea behind this idiom can be traced back to at least the 16th century, and the first time it's known to appear in print is 1633. In Outlandish Proverbs, a book of proverbs compiled by George Herbert, a Welsh-born poet, orator, and Anglican priest. In his work, he lists, quote, a penny spared is twice got, end quote. The most famous usage brings us back to good old Benny's almanacs. In one edition of his musing into poor Richard's life, he used the following quote, a penny saved is a penny earned. One dollar deposited each week in the savings department of the Spokane and Eastern Trust Company will in one year amount to $52.78, in five, $286.11, in ten, $634.88, in twenty, $1,678.33, in thirty, $2,980.21, in forty, $5,063.34. End quote. With such a detailed example of how saving even a small amount will add up, Benjamin Franklin, while not truly coming up with the phrase as many people thought he did, definitely helped make it a more commonly used phrase. Now let's move from pennies to dimes and look at the expression, a dime a dozen. The meaning of this idiom is that something is common and therefore easy to get. But if the idea is to portray cheap, easy-to-get things, why does the phrase use a dime instead of a penny? Is it just the alliteration of the words dime and dozen? While that does have a better ring to it than a penny a dozen, that's got nothing to do with it. This one goes back to around the time dimes were first being minted, which was 1796. By the early 1800s, many items could be bought for the price of 10 cents per dozen, like eggs, apples, oranges, and other small things that were often bought in multiple numbers. The phrase starts to show up in print in idiomatic form about a hundred years later. In 1931, in The Northern Miner, a paper based out of Canada that talks about all things mining, still published to this day, 
we find the following idiomatic quote. Carners, the old-timer said, is just an overgrown clown. As for the others, Shafe, Bear, Paulino, Risco, Campolo, they're nothing but dime-a-dozen fighters. End quote. The Sandusky Register, a paper out of Sandusky, Ohio, had the following in a 1937 edition. Quote, Smiles were a dime-a-dozen in the Yankee clubhouse. Even Colonel Rupert, owner of the club, was so stated he went from player to player shaking hands. End quote. This shows that by the early to mid-1930s, this phrase was becoming more and more common as an idiom. So with that, let's move on to our next idiom, from rags to riches. This idiom is fairly straightforward in its meaning. It's used to describe someone who has risen from being poor to rich, using the verbal imagery of someone so poor they can only afford rags to dress in, working hard until they live a life of total luxury. Nowadays, you don't have to go from one extreme level of wealth to the other for the idiom to be used to describe you, because it can also be used to describe someone rising to an unexpected level of success. Where this phrase comes from is a bit of a mystery, but the main school of thought is that at least the idea behind the phrase is really old. Basically, anyone who manages to rise to power or wealth from an impoverished background fits into this idea. Therefore, rags-to-riches stories have been documented as far back as at least the 13th century, when Genghis Khan rose to power. There's ancient Egyptian pharaohs like Mentuhotep, I hope I said that right. Catherine the Great's life is seen as a rags-to-riches story as well. Some more modern examples are Abraham Lincoln, Booker T. Washington, Sam Walton, and Taylor Swift. Obviously, that list is not all-inclusive, because as the human race has become more empowered, rags-to-riches stories have started showing up a dime a dozen. Of course, we also see stories like these in fairy tales and folklore like when peasant boys pull swords from stones and become king, or when a cat in boots helps someone fake being rich so well that they actually become rich. The rags-to-riches idea is seen in ancient fables and modern books and movies, so this one isn't going anywhere anytime soon. We're moving on, though, to see why a fool has trouble hanging on to his money. A fool and his money are easily parted is another fairly straightforward idiom. Basically, if you're a foolish person, it's easier for you to lose your money. This one goes way back to biblical times. We can see the idea behind this idiom in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20, which says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spendeth it up. For the first known modern print usage, we have to go to the 16th century in a poem called 500 Points of Good Husbandry, written by English poet Thomas Tusser. And don't worry, toppers, I'm not going to read all 500 points, just one. Quote, A fool and his money be soon at debate, which after with sorrow repents him too late. End quote. That poem was published in 1573, and a few years later, in 1587, we pretty much get to the version of the phrase that is still used today, when an English bishop named Dr. John Bridges wrote a defense of the government of the Church of England for ecclesiastical matters. He included the following quote, If they pay a penny or two pence more for the readiness of them, let them look to that a fool and his money is soon parted. End quote. That's all I have for this idiom, so I'd be foolish if I didn't move on to today's metaphorical moment. It's just a metaphor, dude. It's a metaphor. Curious metaphor. A metaphor. That's just a metaphor. 
Today's metaphor is rolling in the dough. This metaphor means you're wealthy, but what does money have to do with dough? Some people think it goes back to the old-timey times where bread was one of the few dishes almost anyone could make, no matter how much money they had. However, if you had extra dough, you could roll around in it all, and having extra dough meant you had money to spare. However, the more likely connection has to do with the way that fancier, and therefore more expensive, breads were made. For an example, I'll use the croissant. It is traditionally made by rolling layers of butter between the layers of dough, which makes it a richer, flakier bread. Not everyone could afford enough butter to make these fancier breads, but if you could afford it, then you were rolling the butter in the dough. Hence came the saying, rolling in the dough. No one knows when it made the switch from practical to idiomatic, but it's been a popular saying for a long time. Now, let's roll on over to today's familiar quotation. Today, toppers, I've opened the book to a quote from Geoffrey Chaucer from his work, The Ruminant of the Rose, line 819. As round as apple was his face. Okay. I guess Chaucer was describing a guy with a round face. I hope it wasn't as red as an apple, just as round, because he might need to get that looked at. And that's going to do it for today's familiar quotation. Alright then, toppers, that's all I've got for episode 17. Thank you again for joining me once more to turn some phrases. I hope you enjoyed the episode and learned something along the way. Check out my show notes for all of my social media, contact, and sponsor information. Don't forget that you can send me topic suggestions. Just let me know if you want a shout-out or if you want to remain anonymous. If you had a good time listening, please consider subscribing or leaving a review. A five-star rating and a quick review are the easiest way you can help me and the podcast out. Also, if you know someone who'd enjoy the show, please tell them about it to help spread the word. Thank you again for listening to the Turn of Phrases podcast, researched, written, produced, and hosted by me, Brisky. Until next time, toppers, just know that if I had a million dollars, I'd build a tree fort in our yard.